This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. The title today is this, if we could throw that up there on the screen. The title is this, Bold Thanks. Bold Thanks. We're talking about bold thankfulness, and uh, this is just something that's stirring in my heart because I realize that if there's ever been a time for Christians to be bold, it's got to be right now. Do you guys understand that? That that if there's ever been a time for you to stand up for what you believe in, it's right now. You need to be bold about what you believe. You can't be like, you know, like, yo, you believe in that Jesus stuff? Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's you go to church, you know, when there's nothing else. If someone says, you believe in Jesus? Absolutely, I believe in Jesus. He believed in me. He gave me a shot. Yes, I will never, ever be ashamed of believing in Jesus. I will never be ashamed of going to church. I will never back down from these things. I like what Paul said. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to save. And so I'm telling you right now that now is the time for Christians to be bold about what they believe. But in this season, in this Thanksgiving time period, I am challenging and calling on Christians to be bold about giving thanks to God and letting other people know about it and say, yeah, I am giving thanks this year and I'm giving thanks to God Almighty. I'm not thinking, you know, I'm thankful for my job and my boss. Those are nice, but I'm giving thanks to God. Christians need to be bold about where their blessings come from. You need to have no, make no mistake about it. You're not where you are right now because you're so amazing. And you are. Hey, you're an amazing group of people. But you are not where you're at because you're so smart, so strong, so good looking, and you just got the best luck in the world. That's got nothing to do with it. You are where you are. You have what you have because of Jesus Christ. And you may not see it that way, but that's exactly how I see it. I wouldn't be married. I wouldn't have kids. I wouldn't be preaching because the devil tried to kill me with leukemia when I was three. But Jesus came and healed me and sent me running out of a children's hospital. It was a wild scene. You should have seen it. It was wild. I, I don't know if they had security cameras in 1989, but if they did, man, that would have been a sight to see because Jesus saved me. And I, I have no doubt about it why I'm here right now, and it's because of Jesus, and I will never be ashamed of that, all right? And so we're going to ask a question today. How can I be bold? I'm going to give you a few ways how you can be bold with your thankfulness. Now, if we just want to talk about you being bold as a Christian, I've got a whole long list that I could go over that, but today's not the day for that. We will get to that. But how can I be bold? I'm going to say this, number one, with my words. You can be bold with your words and giving thanks to God. And and I'm talking about giving public thanks to Jesus. You know, you, you probably like it when somebody, you know, publicly says, you know what, this guy right here, he's the best employee we've got. I wish everybody could be like, I mean, that feels kind of good whether you admit it or not, or, or somebody publicly acknowledges you. Think how amazing it is for Jesus when his kids got to stand up and say, you know what, I have 
a savior. I have got a father in heaven, the best father that you could ever imagine. Here's what he did for me. You need to give thanks in a bold and public way. Now, I've noticed, okay, nobody's ashamed to go into the grocery store and, hey, did you see the game last night? I see people doing stuff like that all the time. Man, what a game. Did you see it? Or, hey, did you hear about this? They'll yell stuff like that, you know, to their buddy across the store all the time. I want to start hearing some, hey, did you hear that sermon Sunday? Hey, let me tell you about this testimony. I prayed for this guy and he got healed. I would love to see some, but usually it's like, let me walk over there and just, uh, okay. Hey, uh, do you, were you at church Sunday? Did you hear that, man? What is, why are you ashamed about this stuff? It's time to get bold about what we believe in. I'm telling you, talk about Jesus in public. Why are you embarrassed to talk about Jesus in public? I'm telling you right now, where I go to the store, most of the people in there, they're not embarrassed to cuss in front of me. My gosh, you people are quiet today. Listen, the world out there, they're not embarrassed to make fun of and be profane and use filthy language in front of your kids. Why are you shy and quiet about using the name of Jesus in front of them? I don't care if it offends them because they don't care about offending me. They don't care if it offends me to use my Lord's name in vain. They'll do it anyway. And so I'm telling you right now, it's time for Christians to get bold about what they believe in. I remember when I was a kid, we were, uh, my dad tells this story, he'd probably tell it better than me, but because uh, it involves him. We were When we played Little League Baseball, one year, there was this lady, a parent on the bench that had just a foul mouth. Cussing and cursing, I mean, you know, and all this stuff. I think maybe she was saying the Lord's name in vain and all this in front of these kids. And my dad had had it up to here with this. And so what does dad do? He just starts singing. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. And every time she cussed, he sang. And I mean, after a while, she shut up, didn't she? And and you've got to find a way, man. They don't mind talking about their nastiness in front of you. You need to not mind talking about the goodness of God in front of other people. Amen. And as negative as people are right now, man, I'm telling you what, they're, they're saying this about this is going to happen and this over here. And I'm going to and I'm going to say, you know what? They may be saying that, but God's saying he will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Well, yeah, the disease is spreading over here. Psalm 107, verse 20. He sent his word and healed them of all their diseases That's what I'm talking about right now. And so when they want to tell you about their news, I want to tell them about the good news that Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus restores. There is hope for your future if you'll believe in Jesus. Let me show you something here in Acts chapter 4. Flip over to Acts chapter 4. But Christians have got to stand up. They have got to be bold right now because the world is trying to shut you up, whether you realize it or not. Some of you realize it. Some of you, you don't don't have any idea. But Satan, I believe his primary goal through everything going on right now is to shut churches 
down and shut Christians up because he knows he has about this much time left on the time scale. Jesus is getting ready to come back and Satan would love to come for him to come back and half the churches be shut down. Half the Christians so depressed, so disgusted that they don't have any faith at all. That is his goal. And so this is the day, this is the hour for us to be bold about what we believe in. So in Acts chapter 4, if you were to read Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, they had prayed for a crippled man and he got healed. Well, the guy couldn't keep his mouth shut. He started running around praising God, telling everybody that God had used these guys to heal him in the name of Jesus. And so you're very familiar with this story. I've talked about it a lot this year. And so... Peter and John, they get arrested and all the, and I mean, it's just an ordeal. They keep saying, shut up about Jesus. We'll let you go. Just quit using that name of Jesus. And they're like, sorry, can't do it. We're going to keep using it. And so they're, they're in and out of jail all the time. And it's a wild scene, but they get out here in Acts chapter four and they're praying about, you know, what they need God to do. And look at this Acts chapter four, verse 29. And they pray. And now, oh Lord, hear their threats. And give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Man, they could have prayed for anything. God, I just, man, make those guys leave us alone. God, God, that's not fair. God, and they're like, yeah, forget all that. Give us great boldness in preaching your word. And that needs to be what every Christian is saying right now. Lord, give me boldness. I'm telling you, I want to be a bold Christian. I don't want to be somebody that's cowering and hiding in the corner and just praying that, oh, God, get, oh, God, oh, oh, God, oh, Lord, get me through all this. I refuse to live my life that way. I'm going to be loud and I'm going to be proud about Jesus and say, grant thy servant boldness to preach your word. Amen. Who's anybody in here? Show of hands. Who's ashamed of Jesus? Oh, oh, I think I almost got a few of you. Listen, listen right now. You're it's, it's one thing to say it in here. It's another thing to go out there and actions speak louder than words. If you know what I mean, this is the best opportunity you've ever had to tell people about Jesus. What about Psalm nine one? Flip over there to Psalm nine one and not the 91st Psalm, because that's an incredible one. But Psalm nine and verse one I am excited about Jesus. Man, I just, this morning, I came over here and prayed about 5 a.m., and I'm just, I'm walking around here praying, and, and, and listen, I, I'm just start thinking about all the things that I've seen Jesus do in 2020, and I stinking got excited, man. I have seen God do some wonderful things this year. I've seen God heal a lot of people, I've seen God restore families. I've seen God do financial miracles, not only this year, but every year of my life. And when I think about the things that I've seen Jesus do, I can't help but be excited. We serve a good God. We serve a wonderful Savior. And I, when I think about all that Jesus has done, I cannot help but get excited. But Psalm 9 and verse 1, it says, David said, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will keep to myself quietly of all the marvelous things you have done. 
I will not share my faith in the workplace because you can't talk about religion at work. No, he said, I will tell of all the marvelous things you have done. David couldn't keep his mouth shut. If somebody came up and just gave you a million dollars, would you just quietly fold the check up and put it in your pocket and like, better keep this to myself. I don't want anybody. I mean, seriously, you would be given thanks. You would be grateful. You'd probably make some noise. You'd be taking selfies with it. You'd be, I mean, you'd be doing everything. Jesus has given you more than a million dollars, bud. Jesus has given you more than what any person could ever give you. And I'm going to praise him with my words. Psalm 71, verse 15. Psalm 71, verse 15. Check this out. Then this is King David writing again. Psalm 71 and verse 15. But David was one of those guys that he couldn't keep the goodness of God to himself. He had to spread it around. Psalm 71 and verse 15. And David says, I will tell everyone about your righteousness all day long. I will proclaim your saving power, though I am not skilled with words. Now, I read this. and This has to be one of the most laughable verses in the entire Bible. David said, I'll give you the best I got, though I'm not very good with words. Kidding? This guy was a master with words. Have you read the Psalms? Have you read the stuff that this guy wrote? And he says, I'm I'm not that good with words, but I'll give you the best that I got. That is preposterous. That's ridiculous. He was an absolute master with words. But when he's praising God, he's like, I feel like it's not. I I, I would like to give you more, but I'll give you what I got. So I'm going to tell everyone about your righteousness. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands on this because I'm afraid to. But I would I would be curious how many Christians in this room have told somebody else this year face to face about the goodness of God and about I wonder how many Christians have witnessed and tried to get somebody else saved this year in 2020. You don't have to you can if you want to. But statistically speaking, most Christians don't do that in their entire lifetime. The percentage of Christians that actually go out and lead somebody else to Jesus is embarrassingly low. And I do not understand that because when God has rested you from something, I'll ask this. How many of you in here, God has absolutely done something miraculous and wonderful and saved your life? That's a that's a, I mean, that's a fair percentage right there. I think that there's even more than that in this room that God's done something big for. But we need to be like David, and I will tell everyone about your righteousness. So I've got a challenge for you this week, if you'll accept it. I challenge you to give Jesus some public thanks this week. I'm not just saying that because it's Thanksgiving week, but seriously, I challenge you sometime, somewhere this week to publicly give thanks to Jesus. Who would do that for me? And I mean, you're not just saying that right now. You'll actually do it. You will publicly in front of another living person. I'm not talking about going out into the desert in front of the tumbleweeds. I mean, other living people, you will give Jesus some thanks with your words. You need to do it. And the second thing I'm going to say is this. How can I be bold with my thanks? Number two, with my praise. With my praise. Now, there's times for quiet, intimate, soft, sweet worship, and I I love that. That's some of my favorite times in this entire world. 
But also, there's times to be bold with your praise to Jesus. Who knows that? There's a time to be bold. Let me show you something here uh, that Jesus himself said. Luke chapter 19. Let's flip over to Luke chapter 19. Who's proud of Jesus? Who's proud to be in the same family as Jesus? I mean, if you had been related to somebody famous, you know, people tell me, uh, hey, I'm, I don't want to brag, but I'm related to, to this guy over here. He was actually on a children's show on Nickelodeon back in the 90s. Like, someone told me that. I'm like, la-di-da. <laughs> Who cares? Like, I mean, good for you, though. But what I want to say is, that's cool. You, you know, your friend, your cousin was on Nickelodeon. My big brother saved the entire world one time and went to hell for three days and then came back and healed everybody. My big brother did that. I mean, so I'm glad for your, you know, your cousin or whatever. Uh, the, the samples fame to claim is, you know, I don't want to brag, but we had a famous cousin. Now, most of you, if you're my age or younger, probably don't even know of this show. But there's a show in the 70s called Hee Haw. Anybody heard of this TV show? Yeah. So our cousin, Junior Samples, was literally on that show. And so people that are, you know, and and, uh, and as much as I'm uh, you know, uh, proud of my redneck hillbilly relative, distant relative, I'm more proud of my father that created the entire universe that that I'm a proud of my brother Jesus. I'm proud of my family. Luke chapter 19, and we're going to look at verses 36 through 40. And this is Jesus coming into Jerusalem to be crucified a few days later. But Luke chapter 19, verse 36, it says, As he rode along, the crowds spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. And Matthew and, and Mark, they tell about how the children, they had palm branches. So people were throwing their coats out on, and we're like, well, why would they do that? Well, back in the day, man, that was the red carpet treatment. You throw your coat out, and you would let the important person they would walk on the red carpet, so to speak. Well, you know, that was your your coats or whatever. So children are waving palm branches. The people are laying their clothes out. Jesus is riding in to Jerusalem. And so they're celebrating. Verse 37, when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. I've seen Jesus do miracles, and I'm not afraid to praise him for it. Verse 38, they said, blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd, so this is some of the old religious people, they said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, well, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. And so Jesus is saying, listen, one way or another, Jesus and God the Father, they're going to be praised one way or another. If people won't get the job done, God will start using rocks to get the job done. How pathetic would it be if God had to replace you with a rock? Uh, she's not getting the job done. Let's start bringing in inanimate objects to get the job done for all these Christians because they can't praise me the right way. How it's bad enough that Walmart's replacing human beings with machines. What if God has to bring the get you guys out of the way and bring in something else to start using praisers? Can somebody understand what I'm saying right here? How sad would it be if we had to be replaced 
with some rocks. That is not going to happen with this guy. I'm going to give Jesus the praise that he deserves. Whether it offends other people or not, we're going to give him the praise and the glory that he deserves. Because who knows? He deserves it. He deserves a lot more than that. But he deserves the praise. And there's one thing you'll notice about when you get bold for Jesus, it starts to make people angry. It makes basically two different groups of people angry. It will really make ungodly people angry because they flat out don't want you. I mean, they liked it when you did what they did. They liked it when they could control you and they could manipulate you to do things. But when you sell out to Jesus, you can't be manipulated like that anymore. Other people don't have the authority over you. Jesus has the authority. And that makes some people really mad. Who do you think you are? Think you're better than us now? I don't think I'm better than anyone. Think you're more holy than I am? I'll stop you right there. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. You're out there, you know, you're out there doing, yes, no doubt about it, more holy than you are. And I defend some people, but uh, listen, it tells us in Second Peter that you are a royal priesthood. You are holy people. In fact, Peter said this, God said this through Peter, be ye holy as I am holy. And so, yeah, you're out there fighting people and cussing and beating people up and stealing and lying and cheating and getting drunk and cheating on your wife. Yeah, not being rude, but yeah, a little more holy than that. Not making, you know, again, between you and God, but whatever. And so it's going to make some people really mad when you get bold for Jesus. It's going to make ungodly people mad. And it's going to make lukewarm Christians really mad. Your heat offends other people that aren't on fire for Jesus like you are. And you can agree with that statement or not, but I've seen it my entire life. A passionate, on fire for God Christian will offend lukewarm Christians and super religious people Every day of the week. They can't stand to be around you. It convicts them. And whether they'll admit it or not, they realize that there's something on the inside of them that wants to be as excited about Jesus as you are. And they feel uncomfortable about it. And the only way they know to do about it is to maybe say something bad about you. Maybe to try to talk you out of it. Maybe to try to, well, let's bring this guy down to earth. He's getting a little bit too, I mean, a little carried away there. Don't let them do it. You stay excited for Jesus. You be ready to praise Jesus no matter what. The average person uses on the low side 7,000 words a day, on the high side 20,000 words a day. Now, I've studied this on the Internet, so I know I've got a lot of facts here, okay? But one thing I've noticed is there's a big fight on the Internet. Who uses more words, men or women? And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go into that, but it, it seems to be that women use more towards the 20,000 words a day side and men at the lower level. I'm getting daggers from some of the women right now, so I'm going to stare at my paper. But either way, no matter what your word count is, how? How many of those words are used to praise Jesus? Are 10 out of 20,000 used to praise Jesus? Or, or well, I, I give, I give 8,000 words a day to discuss politics and then, uh, I give about a dozen words to say, thank you, Jesus, you are so good. Help me today. Amen. Out of the, uh, what percentage of your words are used to thank Jesus and what percentage are used to complain? 
talk about how bad it is. I'm just going to let you mull that over. I can see the wheels turning on some people's faces right now. Think about that and, and realize that as we give praise to God, to me, this is one of the signs of life for Christians. Because what I say is you need to check your praise pulse. If you're somebody that's on fire for God and excited about Jesus, I've noticed they're always praising God. They've always got a song on their heart. They're always saying it's always coming out of their mouth somewhere or another. And then the most dead Christians I see, that's like you want to check their pulse like, oh, man, no, they they don't got anything going on right there. I remember when I was a little kid, we went. I've told this story, but we went. My mom took us to a vacation Bible school. Way out this, this, I won't name the denomination because that would not be nice, but mother took us to, out way out in the middle of the country in Indiana, this vacation Bible school at this super old church. I've never seen a more miserable looking group of people in my entire life than these Christians. They all, I mean, I'm not being mean, they're super old and looked super angry. And as a seven year old kid, you're like, are you sure we want to go in there? These people are stinking scary, man. What are they going to do to me? And so I'm in vacation Bible school, and and the lady that was teaching my class for the first graders, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say it, but I think like I think she went to high school with Moses or something because she she was up there. I don't know why she, but bless her heart, it was cool. But she's telling this story, and it's the story about. Uh, the, the group of friends that lowered their crippled friend down to Jesus. They cut a, a hole out of the roof and they lowered Jesus down and, or they lower the man down and Jesus heals the man. And so all the little kids are like, Oh wow, what a cool story. And by this time I've been healed of cancer. I've been healed of being crippled because I was crippled and I've had a lot of miracles in my life. And she tells this story and all the kids are like, Oh yay, Jesus. And I will never forget when she closed her Bible. All right, kids, that was exciting, but guess what? Jesus doesn't do stuff like that anymore. Did you hear me? Some of you are stinking asleep right now. A woman at a church slammed her Bible in front of me and said, Jesus doesn't heal people anymore. Oh, my gosh. I mean, as a six-year-old, seven-year-old, I was angry because since the day I was born, my parents have drilled into my head that God is a good God, that Jesus heals the sick, that Jesus came, and nothing is impossible for God. I have been told that since the day that I was born, and I'm not exaggerating, I've never heard anything in my life other than God is good, Jesus heals, Jesus saves, Jesus is the way, and then somebody inside of a church tells me that Jesus doesn't heal people anymore. Well, I got into it with this old woman, and I feel bad for that now. Maybe I shouldn't have, but I was like, yes, he does. Yes, he does. Jesus heals. I'll tell you about it. And I told her my story. But listen, that church was so dead. I heard a sad story. One time a man actually passed out in the church and and died. And so they brought the paramedics and they got there. They had to haul 17 people out before they actually found the dead guy. Some of you get that. But anyway, I refuse to go to a dead church. I'm going to a church that's excited about Jesus That believes that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That believes that no matter what's going on in this world, we serve a good God. A God that is greater than anything that comes against us. 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he 
that is in me than he that is in this world. There's a sickness in this world. Greater is he that is in me than the sickness in this world. If there's mean people, greater is he that is in me than the people in this world. And if you don't believe that, I am sorry for you. You've got some rough sailing ahead, buddy. But listen right now, you cling to God's word. So the more bold you get about Jesus, it will anger some people. Look at Second Samuel chapter 6. Are you still with me? Second Samuel chapter 6. Second Samuel 6, and this is a, a great story here of, of David. They had captured the city of Jerusalem from the Jebusites, and in 2 Samuel 5, he decides to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. Now, remember at this time that the Ark of the Covenant contained the presence of God on this earth. The presence of God was stored up in this portable Ark that they carried around on these poles. Now, the good news for you in 2020 is the presence of God is still on the earth, but it's contained inside of the born-again Christian. I've got the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. It's not in some box somewhere that only the priest can get around. It's on the inside of everybody that's a born-again Christian. And so 2 Samuel chapter 6, look here at verse 14, because David's like, we're bringing the Ark of the Covenant down here into the city. And so verse 14, it says, And David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing his priestly garment. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michael, that's David's wife, her name's Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. When she saw King David Leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. His praise made his wife filled with contempt for him. And he's down there. David's dancing. I don't know what all moves he did. You do not want to see Pastor Dave dance. Do not want to see that. I can play many instruments, got musical ability, but the good Lord saw fit not to give this guy dancing ability. I don't got it. But David is down there. He must be absolutely killing it on the dance floor. And his wife looks down and she's like, oh, such an idiot, such a fool. Look at him down there. And she's getting angry. Verse 20, when David returned home to bless his own family, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. He comes in the door, honey, I'm home. And she comes out with fire in her eyes. We're getting ready to see a marital fight on our hands right here. She said in disgust, oh, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. So David retorted to Michael, I was dancing before the Lord. I was dancing for these people, for these girls. I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family. The gloves just came off, people. He just threw an insult at her dad. You don't want to bring the in-laws into it, just, you know, just right there. And so he's like, I was dancing before the Lord, the same God that likes me better than he likes your dad. Don't get me started on your mama. And so he's, I'm like, David, okay, whoa, 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 calm down, calm down. Shh, shh, shh. 
just, just leave it at that. Leave it at that. Leave it at that. But he keeps going. And I mean, they're going back and forth on this thing. And so uh, he says, he appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. Yes. And I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I'm distinguished. I'm like, we probably shouldn't have said that either, David. Just leave the girls out of it. But here we are. He's like, if you think that was crazy, I will show you crazy woman. I'm like, whoa. But he said, I will become even more undignified. I will be even crazier than this. I'll even embarrass myself. If you think that was bad, but I'm gonna praise the Lord. And I'm not, I wasn't dancing for you. I was dancing for him. So I don't care if you didn't like it. So listen, when you decide to get bold about Jesus, it may even tick your own family members off, but that doesn't matter. I'm living to please Jesus. And as David was saying, man, I wasn't it wasn't for you. It was for him. And so at our church, man, you may not like the way we praise. You may not like the way we sing. And I get that. And I'm fine with that because we're not singing for you. We're singing for him. Well, when I don't like the way you do church over there, then go to a different one, man. We're doing fine. Our, I'm telling you, our church is doing Really, really good in 2020. God has blessed this church in ways, I mean, so, so big. I mean, I can't give enough thanks that we, man, we wanted to give a Thanksgiving dinner for our people. And all you guys chipped in with way more than enough money. But now we're like, hey, let's, let's have Christmas dinner. Let's do something for Christmas. You guys are incredible. You're crushing it this year. But it's because of Jesus. God is so good. I cannot say how thankful I am that I go to this church. I mean, I'm just great to be a pastor here, but I'm just glad to be a member here. This place is incredible, and Jesus gets the glory for that. And so, how can I be bold for giving thanks to Jesus? Well, one, I could just use my words like the rest of the world uses their words. Number two, I can be bold with my praise. And number three, I can be bold with my actions. Have you ever heard the phrase, I used it earlier, actions speak louder than words? I believe that. You can tell me all day long that you believe a certain thing, but your actions will tell us what you actually believe. Actions speak louder than words. And I found out this year, 2020, more than ever, that it's one thing to talk about your faith, and it's another thing to actually live by your faith. I mean, I like to talk about faith and I like people that talk about faith. But you know what I really like? People that live by faith. The Bible tells us the just shall live by faith. This faith thing isn't something we talk about on Sundays. It's not something that we, you know, think is cute to to visit every now and then. I don't visit faith. Man, my entire life is built upon faith. It's what I've got. And I know that's the same for every person in this room, that faith is not just a cute thing for you. It's not just I draw my inspiration. I stink and live my entire life by faith. And so 
our actions are the greatest way that we can give thanks for to God. Now I've got a quote on the screen here, and I, I heard this this week at a conference I was at. But I, I mean, I just got to share this. I probably won't dig too deep into it, but throw that on the screen, please, Joel. It's a Gerald Brooks, a pastor from Texas. He said, "COVID didn't change Christians' level of commitment; it just revealed it." I'm like, whoa. Well, they used to be committed, and then COVID came, and they just. If this was enough to knock you away from being committed to Jesus, that revealed the level that was already there. Because I don't know one single committed, faithful Christian that is not faithful and committed in November. Well, they back in March. No, every single faithful, committed, loyal, on fire for God Christian in November, they were the same thing in March. They, this didn't knock them for a loop and, and well, we just kind of let go. No. If you're faithful, you're faithful. If you believe this stuff, you believe it. If you live by faith, you live by it. No matter what comes down the turnpike, you're still following Jesus. And this was not enough to shake me from clinging to Jesus. And so I'll say this and I'll I'll move on. But I was up in Big Bear for a few days this week. And I don't know, different people, you recharge your batteries different ways. The way to recharge my batteries is go to the middle of the woods with not another person around and stare at a tree for a while and just talk to Jesus. That 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 mean that does more for me than anything you could imagine. Me in the woods with nobody else around is like just the absolute best thing in the world for me. So I'm I'm up there and I don't know I'm just talking to God. I'm praying and I'm out there, man. Nobody around except it was weird. I was miles in the woods and this lady comes walking by wearing a face mask and I'm like. <laughs> There's nobody for miles around. What are you like? I mean, I, I'm like, well, I'm like a hundred feet away from you, and I'm not, I'm not making a statement by this, but I squinted and looked in, and what I saw in her face mask kind of. Anyway, I'm not going to go there. That may, but it was kind of funny. Anyway, so miles in the woods, and I'm like, I don't think the Rona's going to get you out here. We're like nobody's around for miles. But anyway, so I'm out there, and I, and I'm talking to God. I'm just praying and talking. And and I'm and I just I, I'm talking to God. I'm like, you know what? My greatest piece of advice for Christians as we approach 2021 is this: cling to Jesus and find a church that has some guts and some faith and cling to it too. Take that for what it's worth. But I'm telling you right now, cling to Jesus and people listening online or wherever. Find a church that's got some guts and some faith and cling to that place. And don't let go because Satan would love to shake you. And as he said to Peter, sift you as wheat. Don't let your faith fail. And what's my point in even saying something like that? One of the biggest ways we can show our thankfulness is to be obedient to Jesus commands and stay faithful even in tough times. John fourteen fifteen says this. Jesus said in John fourteen fifteen. If you love me, obey my commandments. If you love me, notice he didn't say, if you love me, go out and get some really sweet Christian t-shirts and, you know, rock the merch, you know what I mean? And just let it, you know, just show everybody. That's a great thing. You should do that. But he said, if you love me, just obey my word, obey my commandments. 
the greatest way that I can prove my love and my thankfulness to Jesus is not just by my words, but by my actions and obeying what the word of God says. The best way to thank Jesus is to live your life for him. And I've got one more verse I want to show you here. Psalm 50 verses 14 and 15. Psalm 50 verses 14 and 15. Who's thankful for what Jesus has done for you? We need to not be ashamed. We need to be bold about what Jesus has done for us. Psalm 50 verses 14 and 15. It says, make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. Let me say that again. Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God and keep the vows you made to the Most High. That hit me pretty heavy when I read. I don't know about you, but it said, make thankfulness your sacrifice and keep the vows you made to the Most High. I never ever want to be a person that makes a vow, makes a commitment to Jesus, and then doesn't keep my word to Jesus. Because I've got a whole book of vows and promises that Jesus made to me. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. No matter what, I am not leaving you. And I have had some down times, just like you have. I've had some up times. But I know this much, and you feel it sometimes more in the down times. Jesus has never, ever, ever left me alone. When I feel alone, when I feel like nobody else is there, nobody else cares, I've got Jesus right there. And I can feel his arms around me. You can feel that? I can feel that. The arms of Jesus around me like, but you're not alone. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. In fact, in Matthew 28, he said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Jesus has never left me. He made a promise and he kept it. And so it tells us right here, how can we give thanks to God? Well, make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. Keep the vows you made to the Most High. Then call on me when you are in trouble and I will rescue you and you will give me glory. Has Jesus ever rescued you from something? Most of the stuff he's rescued me from is stuff I put myself into. Stupid decisions, bad mistakes, but Jesus rescued me. Now, sometimes it's just been straight up attacks from the devil. I didn't deserve cancer. I did nothing To get that when I was three, but the devil brought it anyway, but Jesus came and healed me from it. And I'm telling you right now, he has never left me. He has never forsaken me. And it says right here that I know you'll give me glory when I rescue you out of this. I'm here to give God some glory today. If you are not ashamed of what Jesus has done for you, I want you to stand up today and we're going to give God some praise together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.